Part Two, Forest Nuns. The first Mechis. Not long after the founding of Wat Bapong, Lung Po Cha gave permission for the establishment of a Mechi community. By doing so, he sought to provide a training within existing norms for women with a monastic vocation and which would provide them as much support as possible for their progress along the path to liberation. Lung Po treated the Mechis as forest ascetics. They were expected to live a very frugal life, get up at 3 a.m. every morning for a session of chanting and meditation, and to eat only one meal a day like the monks. Significantly, Lung Po referred to the Mechis as summoners, a term of great respect usually only applied to monks. He encouraged them to constantly remind themselves that they were summoners and to act accordingly. Everyone here, monks, novices and Mechis are summoners. Everyone should know the duties of a summoner and not get caught up in either of the two extremes of fruitless asceticism or sensual indulgence. Throughout the 1950s and 1960s, the vigorous style of practice developed by Luang Por at Wat Bapong, a sort of take-no-prisoners campaign against the defilements, extended to the Mechis. They were given no exemptions and shared all the privations of the monks. Mechi Bunyu reminisced, one of the Mechis had stomach pains and headaches. She wanted to go and see a doctor. Lung Po didn't give permission. He said, sit and look at it. Concentrate on the area that hurts. If your headaches, then concentrate on your head until it splits apart. When you've got no head left, there'll be nothing to hurt. That's how it was in those days. We endured to that extent. It was no use crying out to see a doctor. When there was nothing to eat with the sticky rice, we would just dip lumps of rice in salt or fish sauce. Luang Po said, Don't get attached to the taste of food. Don't give it any consideration. Look on food as medicine. Eat enough to maintain your body for the coming day. So we taught ourselves that food was just medicine and we came to truly believe it to be so. We believed in Luang Po's words, and we developed in the Dhamma. Our bodies and minds were light. There were no obstacles throughout the day. It was easy to practice. That's how he taught us. And as a result, we could let go. It was marvellous. Each one of us tried to follow what he taught us, to be tractable and not stubborn in our ways. Luang Po created a unique veneer for the Wat Bapong Mechis. He supplemented the basic eight precepts which they received at their ordination with a number of the ascetic Dutanga practices kept by the monks and a detailed set of monastic regulations. Although this veneer still fell far short of that of the bhikkhuni, it provided a strong foundation for practice and let the Mechis feel a wholesome pride in themselves as monastics with a distinctive culture and form. There were, nevertheless, many challenges for the Mechis to overcome that the monks were spared. Their duties in the kitchen consisted of activities so closely associated with their former lives that they could easily act as an obstacle to developing a sense of themselves as renunciates. The Mechis' possession of small sums of money, 
usually offered to them by family members and lay supporters for personal needs, also undermined their feeling of having completely left the lay world. But these limitations of the form were generally given little thought by the Mechis. They were grateful for what was being made freely available to them, the chance to train in a monastery under the guidance of a great master. It was a wonderful opportunity, and they tried to make the best of it. Debt of Gratitude A notable feature of the Mechi communities in Isan Forest Monasteries is how often they include the mother and perhaps one or two sisters of the abbot. Monks have long sought to express their debt of gratitude to their parents by encouraging them, when widowed and when all their children have grown up, to adopt the monastic life. By this means, they honor the well-known words of the Buddha. Even if one should carry one's mother about on one's shoulder and one's father on the other, and while doing so, should live a hundred years, and if one should attend to them by anointing them with salves, by massaging, bathing and rubbing their limbs, and they should even void their excrements there, even by that, would one not do enough for one's parents, one would not repay them. But, O monks, one who encourages his parents lacking in faith, settles and establishes them in faith, encourages his parents deficient in virtue, settles and establishes them in virtue, encourages his stingy parents, settles and establishes them in generosity, who encourages his unwise parents, settles and establishes them in wisdom, such a one, O monks, does enough for his parents. He repays them and more than repays them for what they have done. Anguttara Nikaya 2s, 31-32 the spiritual welfare of Longpo's mother, Mae Pim, was a constant concern to him. During his years as a Tudong monk, his regular visits to his home village were, above all, opportunities to give guidance and instruction to her. It must have been of considerable satisfaction to him that it was she who led the delegation which came to visit him in Amnat Charan in early 1954 bearing a request that he establish a monastery in Ba Pong Forest. It's not known whether Mayor Pim's move into Ba Pong was in response to Lung Po's suggestion or at her own request. What is known is that soon after the Sangha was settled in the new monastery, huts were built in the central area near the kitchen for Mayor Pim and two companions. The arrival of the three elderly women did not, however, signal the beginning of the Wat Ba Pong Mayor Chi community as such. Although the women kept the eight precepts of the Mechis, they did so informally. At this early stage of development of Wat Ba Pong, Lung Po was still finding his way as the leader of a monastic community, unwilling as yet to take on the extra responsibility of establishing and leading a community of nuns. In fact, Lung Po harbored serious misgivings about the whole idea of monks and Mechis living together in the same monastery. A proposition. A rather exceptional woman made Lung Po change his mind. Pim Utaigon, no relation to Lung Po's mother, Mae Pim, was a 50-year-old villager who became a regular at the monastery on observance day. 
she was determined to become a Mechi. Lung Po was impressed by her faith and sincerity, but at first refused her requests for ordination. Then one day he made her a proposition. At the back of the monastery in the southwest corner, she could have a kuti built and live there. It would mean dwelling alone in an isolated clearing in the middle of a thick forest generally believed to be haunted. If she could endure it, Lung Po told her, he would ordain her. If she really wanted Wat Ba Pong to have a nun's community, then she must start it herself. It was a daunting challenge, not least in the light of the debilitating fear of spirits that almost all people of her culture felt in the forest at night. But Pim Udhai Gon accepted the offer with gratitude and overcame all obstacles in her path with a quiet, unfussed assurance. Pim lived in a small hut built for her by her family. She planted chilies, salad greens and papayas to supplement the alms-round rice that the monks sent to her every morning. She spent many hours a day practicing sitting and walking meditation. Lung Po became satisfied that she had the qualities that would make her a good senior nun. In 1956, he formally ordained Pim Utaigon, Mayor Pim, and the other two older women as Mechis and established a boundary for the new Mechi section, covering an area of some 30 acres. Future mentions of Mechi Pim will refer to Pim Utaigon. A daily schedule was established that closely followed that of the monks. At 3 a.m., nuns would chant and meditate together. At dawn, they would begin to prepare food from the garden they cultivated for the Sangha's daily meal. After the meal, they would have free time to practice meditation or attend to personal projects until a work period at 3 p.m., followed by bathing, walking meditation, and the evening session of chanting and meditation. On every observance day, the nuns would practice throughout the night. The news that a Mechi community had been formally established at Wat Bapong produced a steady stream of applicants. Luang Po began accepting more candidates from the growing waiting list. Initially, he kept to a policy of taking only older women, but in 1959, another milestone was passed when Bunyu Pimwong, aged 24, and Kam Khen Prakong, aged 23, were allowed to join the community on a probationary basis. After the requisite time had passed smoothly, the two women were formally accepted as mayor cheese and went on to become stalwarts of the community for the next 50 years. Mechi Pim's devotion to meditation was an inspiration to the burgeoning community. Her frugality became legendary. One nun remembered that when food was scarce, she would prefer to let others have what was available while she would simply roast sun-dried leftover rice with a little salt and eat it out of an old metal dish. When helping out with group activities, Mechi Pim's head would always be slightly bowed, maintaining sense restraint and abstaining from pointless chatter. At one time, the nuns remembered her levelling off the top of a termite mound near her kuti and surrounding it with a ring of thorny branches. She explained that she was experiencing some drowsiness in her meditation. This was to be her new meditation seat. Mechi Bunyu The lives of Mechis usually take place out of the limelight, and few details of their experience and practice find their way into the public realm. 
Fortunately, when Mechi Bunyu passed away in 1996, a funeral volume was published. It included a short biography that offers an intriguing glimpse of an inspiring woman. Over the years, amongst the small group of senior Mechis that led the community, Mechi Bunyu became acknowledged as the first among equals. In many ways, she was an archetypal Isan woman of her generation. Competent, resilient, an apparently tireless worker with a rock-solid moral core and a no-nonsense kindness. She had first shown a precocious maturity as a small child. All Isan children would be expected to participate in the family work. But when her father was bedridden by a large abscess on his leg, the seven-year-old Bunyu was given the onerous task of caring for him. The rest of the family were needed in the fields and she was the only available nurse. She took to it without complaint. For many months, she was her father's constant companion, cooking for him, washing his clothes, wiping him down, and keeping the abscess clean. As she grew up, Bunyu was known as a gentle person who disliked conflict, but every now and again, a more resolute side of her character was revealed. She was renowned in the village for the time she apprehended a chicken thief by hiding by the family chicken coop and hitting him over the head with a piece of timber as hard as she could, more than once, she admitted, as he made his escape. She liked to go to Watbapong on observance day, and spoke often of one day becoming a nun. In her free time, she would go to the Mechi section and help out with odd jobs, or teach some of the less literate Mechis to read the chanting book. She rejected all suitors. The turning point came one day when she attended the weekly all-night practice session in the monastery with her mother. She was feeling drowsy that night, but was shaken awake when Luang Po started to expound on an old Isan saying, A child is like a noose around your neck. A spouse is like rope pinning your arms behind you. Wealth and possessions are like shackles around your legs. As Lumpur expanded on the sufferings inherent in the household life, it was suddenly and completely clear to her. As she realized that she was still free of these traps, she breathed a sigh of relief. From that moment, her determination to become a nun became assured, and before long, she was one. Life in the monastery was not easy for the young Mechi Bunyu. At first, her health was poor. At one point during a serious illness, an elder sister came to visit and, in trying to persuade her to disrobe, quoted an old saying about monastics and illness, the gist of which was those who haven't accumulated enough merit before ordaining will not survive the rigors of monastic life. It seemed, she said, that Mechi Bunyu was clearly one such person. If she didn't return to lay life, she could die. Mechi Bunyu replied that she was going to die sooner or later anyway, wherever she lived. But whenever the day of her death did arrive, she was determined to meet it in the monastery and as a nun. Which, decades later, loved and respected, she did. Dependent Autonomy the Mechi section at Watbapong was completely segregated from the monks' area and surrounded by a fence. It consisted of kutis, somewhat closer together than the monks for safety, a dhamma hall for group chanting and meditation, and a kitchen with a vegetable garden and an orchard. 
After the death of Mechi Pim in 1965, the day-to-day -day affairs of the Mechi community were left in the hands of a committee, which consisted of Mechi Bunyu, the head nun, and four other senior figures, but was ultimately under the authority of Luang Po. Once a month, Luang Po would meet with the committee. These meetings allowed him to offer its members advice and encouragement, and to deal with practical matters. He would listen to senior Mechi's questions and worries, and advise on such matters as principles of leadership, how to promote harmony in the group, and how to encourage the younger nuns. Sometimes, the Mechis remembered long afterwards, he would inspire them with stories of the great bhikkhunis at the time of the Buddha. In 1964, Lung Po established a code of regulations for the Mechis. These regulations were read out to the community of Mechis after evening chanting on Uposata Day, the twice-monthly occasion on which the monks gathered for the recitation of the Patimoka discipline. Regulations of the Mechi section, Wat Nong Pa Pung. 1. It is forbidden at all times for Mechis to gather together in groups in order to socialize and indulge in idle conversation. 2. Communal activities such as eating the daily meal, washing up, sweeping, bathing, etc., should be performed in concord, in an orderly fashion and with mindfulness. 3. Mechis should keep the area surrounding their kuti clean by regularly sweeping it and keeping it free from ants and termites. 4. Mechis should be frugal in eating, rest and conversation. Mechis should not be outgoing and exuberant. 5. On receiving gifts, Mechis should share them out in a just and appropriate way. 6. When a Mechi is ill, her fellow Mechis should help to nurse her with loving-kindness. 7. Mechis should determine that their actions of body, speech and mind, directed towards fellow Mechis, whether face-to-face -face or behind their backs, be guided by loving-kindness. 8. Mechis should pay respect to each other according to seniority. 9. Mechis should keep all their precepts purely and not make themselves objects of aversion to their fellow Mechis. 10. It is forbidden for any single nun to govern the community of Mechis or establish new regulations on her own authority and with wrong view. 11. A Mechi who is aware of a problem should quickly inform the head of the Sangha. 12. A Mechi wishing to go out of the monastery for any purpose must first inform the head of the Bhikkhu Sangha. 13. It is forbidden for a Mechi to claim rights over a Kuti whose construction she has sponsored. 14. It is forbidden for a Mechi to receive guests of the opposite sex in her Kuti except in certain cases of illness. 15. It is forbidden for a Mechi to display or promote things unconnected with Dhamma or Vinaya for the sake of gain. Such behavior is wrong livelihood and is harmful to the Buddhist religion. 16. 
It is forbidden for mechis to put themselves at the service of householders. To do so does harm to them. 17. Mechis should seek harmony through shared right view. They should not quarrel with others under the influence of wrong views. 18. It is forbidden for mechis to maintain contacts with monks, novices, other mechis or lay people, either within or outside the monastery, except for necessary reasons connected with Dhamma. 19. It is forbidden for mechis to be involved in fundraising activities. 20. It is forbidden for any male over the age of 12 to spend the night in the mechi section, except when unavoidable. 21. Anyone wishing to ordain or stay in the mechi section must be accompanied by a guardian as a reference and have a reasonable number of sponsors. The majority of these regulations were adapted from those drawn up by Luang Po for the monks, which he in turn derived from the Vinaya training rules. They did much to provide behavioural norms for the Mechis that, in most respects, were in line with those of the monks. A few of the regulations, however, such as 13, regarding kutis that Mechis have sponsored themselves, and 19, prohibiting Mechis from engaging in fundraising activities, reflect the fact that Mechis, unlike the monks, were not required to give up the use of money. The consequences of transgressing these regulations is not made explicit. In fact, this lack of clarity is inevitable given the rather loose terminology of some of the points. Point 4, for example, instructing Mechis to be frugal and not outgoing and exuberant, is more of a general exhortation against extravagant behaviour rather than a rule. It seems reasonable to assume that by confining himself to a glowering, transgressors will be dealt with accordingly, Luang Po sought to give himself the flexibility to deal with problems on a case-by-case basis. Familiar themes dominate the regulations. Harmony, order and discipline, sense restraint, mutual warmth and respect, contentment and fewness of wishes. The regulations enjoin a high standard of conduct, intimidatingly so in some areas. They played a large part in giving the Wat Ba Pong Me Chis an identity as forest nuns, and in particular, Wat Ba Pong forest nuns. They provided the foundation on which to base a training that gave the same importance to attention to detail in daily life that characterized that of the monks. Sangha regulations formed the bedrock of the Wat Ba Pong culture, providing norms to which newcomers were expected to adapt. A probationary period for women aspiring to become Mechis allowed them to train by the standards that would be demanded of them as Wat Ba Pong nuns. Those unwilling or unable to live by such a code left before ordaining, thus minimizing the disruption to the community. As the majority of women who applied to become Mechis at Wat Ba Pong did so out of faith in Luang Por, 
there was always a possibility that some might dismiss the authority of the leaders of the Mechi community. You're not my teacher. The code of regulations, endorsed as it was by Luangpo himself, made the job of the senior Mechis easier. It provided ready proof that they were not bent on imposing their own will on the community, merely implementing the wishes of Luangpo and the Sangha. Governance Although he delegated the daily administration of the Mechi section to the senior Mechis, Lungpo's presence was felt strongly by everyone. The mere words, I will put the matter to Lungpo, uttered by one of the senior Mechis, was powerful enough to dissolve all but the most intractable of problems. Mechi Bunyu, looking back in the late 1980s, said that serious conflicts in the community were rare, but when something did arise, it was always a great comfort for her to know that if the matter could not be resolved, Luang Po would be there to help her. Luang Po said to me, if things get too much for the senior mayor cheese, if people are being difficult and stubborn, then you can come and ask for my assistance. We senior mayor cheese acted like elder sisters, looking after their younger siblings. If someone deviated from the way of practice, laid down in the regulations, or from our instructions, we would admonish them. If they still didn't mend their ways after two or three warnings, then we would have to inform Luang Po, who we relied upon as our patron and protector. And so we managed. Otherwise, we wouldn't have survived. I wasn't the only one in charge. Senior Mei Chi is just what people called me. I've never had absolute power. I'm not a dictator or anything like that. We have a committee of four or five mechis, and if someone's behaving badly, then it's a matter to be discussed by the whole committee. At that time, before Lung Po's illness, if we all agreed, then the matter would be taken to Lung Po. He wouldn't immediately accept our side of the story, though. He would conduct his own investigations. When Lung Po came, he wouldn't just lay down the law or take anyone's side. He would usually give a dumber talk in a relaxed, natural manner, on a subject unconnected to the problem of the difficult nun. After he'd finished, he would drink some water and then discuss various bits of business in his easy-going way. Then, out of the blue, he would say, Oh, Mechi so-and-so, how are you? How's your practice? Don't go giving headaches to the senior Mechis, will you? Generally, he spoke in a way that neither bruised the lotus nor muddied the water. Whether they were right or wrong, he wouldn't hurt people's feelings needlessly. But sometimes he would have to speak directly in order for people to recognize their mistakes, so that they would become more aware and amend their behavior in the future. But as Mechi Bunyu recalled, when Luang Po was stern, it would have a considerable impact. Anyone of a sensitive disposition would still be feeling it for two or three days afterwards, even if they hadn't been the one he told off. Everybody was afraid of him. Of course, it wasn't as if Luang Po ever hit anybody or even used harsh words. 
but I only had to mention his name, and disputes would fizzle out. If Lung Po was due to give a talk in the Mechi section, while there was a problem going on with one of the Mechis, that nun would assume that I'd told Lung Po all about it beforehand. Her head would ache. She'd feel like she needed to go to the toilet. It's hard to say why the reaction would be as severe as that, but it was. Lung Po would be very calm, and his discourse would be mildly spoken, but who knows why, the Mechi would be terrified. And yet, if you were to ask any of the Mechis privately what they felt about him, they would all say that Lung Po was wonderful, and that there was no place like Wat Ba Pong. You see, it's too subtle to put your finger on. To me, the way he ran the Mechi section was a marvel.